In Ephesians 5, Paul teaches the concept of marriage and uses the sacred union between Christ and his church to explain how husbands ought to love their wives. It's a command. He says, husbands, love your wives. We typically think that love is an emotion or a feeling, but it's more than that. It's a command that needs to be obeyed. It's easy to say, I love you, isn't it? It's easy to say those words. Some people find it difficult to say them, and some people find it easy to say them. And sometimes the most annoying thing is when someone says it, but they're not demonstrating it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men or of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Even if you can say, I love you in seven different languages and you don't demonstrate it, you're just a noise. In this passage, we find the supreme responsibility to the husband to love his wife. Paul uses Christ to express this royal virtue of love. It's not any kind of love. It's a Christ-like love. And that's not sloppy. And it's not a fuzzy feeling. As we see the life of Christ, we know it to be a love that was demonstrated in its fullest. There was action there. You hardly see Christ say to people, I love you. Why? Because he demonstrated it. Not to say that there's anything wrong with saying, I love you to somebody. But the doing of it is so important. We'll look at four things tonight in respect of this passage in Ephesians 5. And what kind of love in which God wants us to love our wives with? A sacrificial love, verse 25. A supporting love, verses 26 to 27. A selfless love, verses 28 to 29. And a secure love, verses 30 to 32. Let's look at the first together. Uh, Sacrificial love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved who? The church. And what did he do? He gave himself for it. How did he love the church? He gave himself for the church. Love gives, doesn't get. It gives, it gives. You know, lust always desires to get, but love, true love, desires to give and give and give, even when you're not getting anything. You continue to give and you continue to love. Galatians 1.3, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sin. Jesus freely gave himself for us. Unconditionally, it's an unconditional love. It's a royal supreme love. It's unconditional. It's connected with the will, not with this emotion. It's with the will. I will love you no matter what. No matter what the circumstances are. It's offered freely. Walk in love, Ephesians 5, as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering. As a sweet-smelling savor, he gave. Love gives. It doesn't continue to get and get and get, and it doesn't get, then gives. It gives even when it doesn't get. It just gives. My wife doesn't submit to me. It doesn't matter. It's not conditional. You love even when she doesn't submit. Same thing, by the way, for the wife. If your husband doesn't love you like he ought to, I know it's easy to submit when he does, but even if he doesn't, you do it as unto the Lord. Same thing with the men. Your wife is defiant. Your wife is stubborn. She's boisterous and loud. She's unsubmissive. You just love her. It's hard, but it's a Christ-like love. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that God wants us to love with. We hear a lot of preaching about it, perhaps on the internet, but do we see a lot of doing of it? It must be lived out. Love is unconditional. So therefore, it requires a decision. The psalmist said this in Psalm 18, verse 1, I will love thee, O Lord. I will love thee. It's a decision that needs to be made. And maybe perhaps some of us tonight, even if you are loving your wife, it doesn't matter if you could go home tonight or any time and say, God, I will love her. I am determined to love her by laying my life for her. John chapter 15, Jesus says this, this is my commandment, that you love 
one another, even as I loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friend. Your wife is supposed to be your friend. If she's not your friend, then there's something wrong with that relationship. If you're distant and you're not on talking terms and close and intimate, and you can be more intimate with someone else other than your spouse, there's something wrong with that union. And so therefore, if she's your friend, you lay down your life for her. I struggled when I first got married because I didn't want anything to get in the way between me and the Lord. I wanted to love him supremely. I, and I'm thinking, how do I love my wife as Christ loved and not interfere with God's love? And then I learned and understood that God helped me saying, this is how you love me, Charlie. Love your wife. You want to love me? Love your wife. Man. So how is it demonstrated? We love God. We want to love God. Well, love your wife. Love your neighbor. Love your friend. Love your enemy. Listen, love the brethren. Be willing to lay down your life for them. How much more your wife? And sometimes today we see that the wife and the husband are enemies in their own home. That's sad, isn't it? You know, Christ-like love has a humble element to it. To love like this takes humility. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Took upon him a form of a servant. It has a humble element to it. It's not proud. 1 Corinthians 13 says that charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Love is not proud, it seeketh not her own, it lays down her life, it's humble, it gives oneself for another. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. Second of all, he suffered for the church. For Christ also have once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust. He suffered for it. This kind of love suffers, it costs something. This sacrifice, it costs something. It's not indifferent, it's not cheap love, it, it costs something. There's suffering behind it. A love offering has price. And David was instructed to buy a threshing floor to build an altar and sacrifice unto the Lord. And a man named Aruna was willing to give David everything he needed for the offering. Everything for free. Here, there is everything you need. And you know what David said? He said, surely. He said this, but I will surely buy it of thee of, at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. There's a price in offering and giving oneself. There's a price. And it might not be tangible, it might be money, but there's a price. You lay down your life. There's suffering that goes along with it. Not only this, but he forgave the church. How did he love the church? He forgave the church. The Bible says, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The Bible says, be not bitter with your wife. It's easy to be embittered with your wife. When your wife is not the Proverb 31 one day and she's the Proverb 21 the other day, it's, you, can be, you can get embittered. And rather than giving her room to grow and recover, you get bitter, frustrated. It's not good, is it? Bitterness can actually destroy your relationship with the Lord. And we're going to actually see that later on when Peter talks about that that your prayers will be hindered. But love forgives. It overlooks a multitude of sin. It doesn't excuse sin, but it forgives sin. And we ought to be always willing to forgive and having a love, tender heart, to see our wives grow and recover when they're not walking like they should walk. We're the head. We're the leaders. We're the one that guides the home and the wife and the tone. We, we set the attitude in the house. And you've got two people bucking and butting heads. It's not going to happen, is it? One has to yield and submit and submit out of love. Direct and give direction. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Ephesians 4, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let be kind one to another. Look at this. Tender-hearted tender-hearted forgiving one another how even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you tender not hard tender tender willing to forgive when do you forgive when you've been offended hurt trespassed against that's when you forgive the door of forgiveness always must be open always especially your wife 
out of all people. And sometimes, some here perhaps are unfortunate to have wives walk out on them. But let me admonish you, my friend, leave the door open. And pray for them. Don't be bitter against them. And then we see a supporting love, not only sacrificial. I've got to get through this because it's just, we're going to be here for a long time if I keep laboring on the. But you understand, Christ gave himself for the church. He, it's giving, it's forgiving, it's sacrificial, it's suffering. There's a suffering element. You get it? Amen. You, you got it? I don't have to labor here too much, but it's also supporting. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Why? Well, for what purpose? That he may present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Now, this is in relationship to, the, to, the, to, the, to Christ and to the church. Uh, clearly, we do not have that spiritual cleansing power to cleanse our wives like the word of God does. Only Christ can do that. However, a husband can be concerned for his wife and have the best for her. And he can do that in number, a number of ways. I'll give you some examples. But Jesus purchased his bride not only to save her, but to sanctify her. Jesus desired the best for his church. Someone once said, we see, lo we, we see love that is not content with leaving us as it found us. It is actively at work, making us beautiful beyond description. That's what Christ wants to do with his body, with this church. He wants to save her and sanctify her by the washing of the word, by the purification, sanctify and cleanse. God desires perfection in his church. He wants to grow the church. He wants the church to be beautified. How, did, how does he do it? By the word. And so the psalmist said, Whither shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. It's by the word of God in which he does it. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. God sanctifies us like tonight through his word. We have been sanctified by the truth of God's word in this area. <laughs> okay, you're not going to hear this out there. You're not going to hear this in Hollywood. You're not going to hear this in cheap Christian movies. You're not going to hear this. You're not going to hear it. Where are you going to hear it? In the Word of God? When you open the book and you preach on the Word of God like it ought to be preached on, and there's some, thank God, still sermons out there that do preach like this. But you, you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to be sanctified in the world. Sanctified means to be separate from the world, to be uh, set apart to God so God can work on us. And so, men, we need to encourage our wives when we see something that is sinful or worldly. We need to encourage our wives and say, listen, that's not right. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible... You know, you don't have to be a preacher to do that. You don't have to be a preacher to admonish your wife. You don't have to be a preacher to send her a Bible passage. You don't have to be a preacher to send her a link to a sermon that will help her and beautify her and encourage her and see where she needs help in. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. You don't have to be apt to teach men. But you can be concerned for your wife and helping her get under the Word of God and get her nurtured. And we're going to see that in a moment. Have... The best for her. I don't, want, I don't know about you, but don't you want to see your wife grow just as much as you're growing? Don't you, want to, don't you want your wife to eat just as much as you're eating and developing and being conformed into the image of Christ? Don't you want her to be presented in that one day as an individual in the body of Christ, glorious and hear those words, words, well done, my good and faithful servant? It's your responsibility when you got married to lead your wife that way. You're one. That's my desire, not only for my wife, but for every single one of you here today, that you will finish and hear those words, well done. Well done. So how do you, how's that, how do you get, get them under the word. He preaching of God's word, teaching of God's word. Admonish them to keep the word of God. To be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Because there's the key. To be set apart means the whole purpose of being worked on, sanctified, 
to be conformed into the image of Christ. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take him out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep him from evil. That's sanctification. Yeah. To keep him from the world, to help him be set apart by the, by the word, for the purpose of seeing him grow. The Apostle Paul said, My little children, of whom I have travailed in birth again until Christ be formed in you, that he might present himself a glorious church. If anything gets in the way of this process, listen, it's worldliness. It is the love of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Love not the world. Husbands, help your wives love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Help them, help them be godly women, professing godliness, not to be vain. Help them to become this valuable jewel in God's eyes. Help them. It's your responsibility to help them, to lead them that way, to guide them that way. May God give us grace to do that. We should protect our wives from anything that is sinful and hurtful in the home. It actually thrills my soul to no end when I, sit, when I see my wife sit and read her Bible, taking notes, and I look like that. So what does she do? Oh, praise God. And then sometimes if she's on the phone and she's, I wonder what she's, I hope she's not on something that's going to take her away. And sometimes I ask her, what are you doing on the, oh, I can't ask. Because, come on, you understand, ladies, and men, you understand it too, how easy to be gone with the wind of the world with one click of a button. How easy, how easy is it? I mean, uh, you have to go travel to, 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 to places to, to, to see wickedness, but now it's, it can be in your home like that. You can go for a walk in five minutes and find something that is absolutely disgusting to God and hinders the Spirit's work and it quenches the Spirit in our lives. I'm not telling you men to be spiritual police officers, amen. Not, no, I'm, not taking, I'm not saying take away the liberty that's there, but help them grow and admonish them, help them understand what really matters, what's virtue and what's vain. You set the tone. She, she won't listen. Pray for her. Pray for her. Father, I pray that they that you don't take them out of the world, but that what? That you would keep them from evil. Pray that they would not be tempted. Pray, wrestle on your knees and beseech God for her soul. Pray. You can pray. Oh, prayer is a powerful thing. Because you know what God can do? He can come and quench the appetites of the world. You know, when you're on something and you just continue and you're shopping or whatever and you're looking for things or whatever, there, there can be something that takes place in the heart of a person that, like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, spending my time doing, where's this come from? What a waste this is. Where, where, where's this come from? Thank God for praying people. And then a selfless love. Have a look at verse 28. So men, so ought men, sorry, to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Interesting. Now this is not talking about to be obsessed with yourselves and love yourselves, okay? It's talking about taking care of yourself. It's, it's a natural instinct that every one of us takes care of ourselves. When you get an infection, you don't let that infection continue to, you know, grow. You, you want to get, you want to deal with that infection, correct? You take some sort of vitamins or if worse if comes to worse, you take perhaps, you know, antibiotics. You want to deal with the infection. Uh, you, you know, you, you're unclean, you go have a shower. You're hungry, you eat. It's natural instinct of a person to take care of themselves. They don't want to see themselves sick or without strength or weak 
something takes place, something's hurting, something's not right, they attend to it, and so it is with our wives. Yeah. Selfless love. Someone once said, only a fool neglects his body. Only a fool neglects his broken arm or his infected leg. Yet there are many foolish husbands who hurt or neglect their wives and do this. Sorry, and they do and will suffer from it. Because in reality, you're hurting your own self. Because that's part of your body. You're one. This is your body. It's a mystery that he talks about between Christ and the church. Well, this is the mystery that we have. When you are married, there's a mystery of union of one. You became one, two, one flesh. And so she's part of you. And the Bible says in verse 29, For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it, look at this, and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. You never hated your flesh. You took care of it. You nourished it. And there's a purpose of taking care of our wives and nourishing them. And this is a purpose of what? To build them up. So they'd be mature, to cherish, tender loving care. This is not only the purpose, but the passion we ought to have. We ought to treasure our wives. Take them and tenderly care for them. She won't let me, but you try and you pray. You beseech the Lord. You keep loving. She rejects me. It's okay. You keep doing. Amen. Kill them with love. Yeah, but you don't understand. It, it annoys them. Well, then back off and try to love them another way. Dwell according to knowledge and see how you can love them. Love never fails. It's key. Christ-like love. I thank God if we learn how to love like Christ, we can make a difference in the home. We can make a difference in our marriage. People are giving up on their marriages. They're giving up. Men are saying, let her have her own way. And you failed. You failed. Letting your wife have her own way? Yeah, well, you know the old joke, they, the, the, the best man is supposed to give in his, in his speech when, 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 when they two get married? Don't forget... Happy wife, happy life. Oh, isn't that right? Listen, loving your wife doesn't mean you give her everything that she demands. That's not love. That's hurt. But she doesn't understand. She, she, she would just, what, she just, when she sleeps in the same bed, she'll just turn her back. That's okay. Pray for her. Pray for it. Write her a letter. He says, he cherishes her. Thank God God cherishes us. I mean, this is a reflection of how God treats us. Amen. God cherish, cherishes us? Come on. Like, seriously? Man, if you've got a glimpse how God, you know, simply loves his bride, and we're individuals that make up the bride you had a glimpse of that, then you would know how to treat your brother in the church. You would love them like Christ loved the church. If people knew how, what, how much the church meant to Christ, they would love the bride just as much as he loves the bride. They would cherish the brethren. They would love the brethren just as much as Christ loved the church. Cherish them. I don't know about you, but I don't know what I'll do with some of, without some of you here. Because we make up the body. That's how God designed it. Did any man ever hate his arm? I mean, you, you wait and you sleep on your arm. You ever had a dead arm when you sleep on it from shoulder down? Have you ever had that? Not from here, not just your hand, and you're just waiting for it to come back. Now, I'm talking about like from the shoulder down. Have you ever had that and like slept on it for a while? Like I'm saying a while, like it took two minutes for it to come back. I actually one time thought I lost my arm. And I said, Janet, help me. No, you wake up. You say, wake up. Get up. And for those that are suffering in the church and discouraged, just wake them up. Just help them up. Just know that you're there for them. Tender care. 
You don't say, all right, let's go amputate your useless, finished God, bye-bye. No. You cherish it. God cherishes us. Verse 30, for we are members of his body. Look at this. Of his flesh, of his bones. This is the mystery that he's talking about. We are members of his body? Yeah, he's talking about the church. There's a union here. Jesus is the head of the church. He cares for the church because he is closely associated to her. The church is a part of his body. He's the head. Christ does all that he can to take care of his body. So it should be with the husbands that we do all that we can to take care of them. Someone once said the church is the love of his life, the center of his thoughts, the object of his purpose. He died to redeem it and he watches over it. Thank God for a great shepherd. And then lastly, we see a secure love. Verse 31, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be what? One flesh. The husband is to forsake all and cleave to his wife. It's almost like what Jesus teach, teaches there on the Sermon on the Mount when he says no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other or despise the one and cleave to the other. The cleaving here is, you know, you're cleaving to your wife. He, she's your, the love of your life. Nothing is going to get in between you. Nothing should get in between you. Not even your in-laws. Amen? Thank God for loving parents. But sometimes they can go beyond and cross that line and interfere with the marriage when God says, no, they're married, they're on their own, you can encourage them and nurture them from a distance, but let them be that home, that family, that union that you once had. Let them grow. You're cleaving, you're making your own family. You ought to be more concerned with your family, your, your wife, not in someone else's business. Too many family businesses take us away from the union that we have in the marriage that ought never to take place there is nothing in this world that should take you away from loving your wife not even family by the way that's the same thing with the Lord family ought to never get in the way between us and the Lord we ought to love him first supremely there ought to be an undying love for her undying love So this means divorce is not an option. You can say amen to that. Amen, it's not an option. It's not an option. We will determine to say in our vows right at the end, to death do us part and divorce is not an option. We don't even go there. We don't even think about it. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's a secure love that God intended, what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. No man. God designed the family unit, one man, one woman, for life. Yeah, but Moses gave us a bill of divorcement. Well, this is only because you were hard-hearted, but right from the beginning, this was not so. It was never an option. They were stubborn and stiff-necked and wanted their own way. And listen, friends here today, you can be stubborn and stiff-necked and have your own way, but it's not God's best. And you'll have problems. I guarantee you. If it's not done God's way, you'll have problems. And for those that failed in this area and God has given grace and thank God for His grace, amen. And, and, and if your marriage is going well and you have departed from your first, then that's just God's grace. And thank God for God's grace. Amen. And thank God for His mercy. Amen. Especially when you never knew better. Someone once said, A man must love his wife as he would his own body, as part of himself. As Eve was part of Adam, taking out of his side, so the wife is, part, is to, to the man because she is part of him. The reality of this union must dominate the husband thinking and actions in marriage. She's a part of me. You cannot detach them. 
And so therefore, we're inseparable where we're supposed to be. Have a look at 1 Peter 3. Too many marriages live separate lives in their own home. Doing their own thing. They have a 50-50 negotiation. And that's sad, isn't it? God never intended for that to happen. They're one. Look at verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Give honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel and as being, what? look at this, heirs together of the grace of life. Your prayers be not hindered. Let me give you four quick things. Number one, dwell with them. The husband must take time to spend quality time with his wife, not neglect her, not be too busy for her. They're one, they're inseparable. He's supposed to focus on his wife. Listen, men, you that are ready to get married, don't you think that when you get married, you can do what, you, what you're normally doing? You're independent and, and, and free. No, you're, you're trapped, but it's good. It's a good trapping. Because <coughs> God, God ordained it, it's good. When you do it, God, oh, just, oh, I'm not free like I used to be. Don't get married then. What do you want to get married for? Man, thank God I got trapped. Praise God, I'm trapped with my wife and I love her as Christ loved me. What a wonderful way to exercise this love that God has loved us in. I mean, I'm not, listen, we're not even touching the surface. But God has given us an opportunity to demonstrate this through the power of God. We'll get there in a moment. Listen, marriage is, is awful when you don't do it God's way. We want to make sure that our kids understand that marriage is good and honorable before men. But it must be done God's way. It must be. If you want, you'll be free and independent, living your own life, doing your own thing. Don't get married. Stay single. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to marry your wife and then she's going to be at home and you're going to go do this and do that and do this and do that. And then your wife grows accustomed to it so she goes out and she goes this and she does that. And, she, and so you, it's all of a sudden you have a mutual agreement. Thank God for godly women that free their husbands to do the will of God and they're one. She prays for him while he's out witnessing. <laughs> Praise God for that kind of life. Amen. Have a purpose, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I'm not saying that you can't do anything outside of your wife. There are things that could be done that are lawful and proper, but only in their place. But you know what I'm talking about. When you've got two lives, not one. We know you're one. You're one. You ought to be one. And then number two, according to knowledge. Dwell according to knowledge. This is your opportunity to learn to, to know what your love lo uh, hates and what she doesn't like. Or what she loves, sorry. What does she hate? What does she love? You've got to learn to adjust a lot of, again, jokes. You'll never understand your wife. Don't even try. You can't work her out. Well, my Bible says dwell according to knowledge. But they're the, they're the lies of the devil that we hear all the time. We hear it. When, I, I'm telling you, even Christian, I cringe when I hear these jokes. Because they're actually sowing seed of you know, bad seeds into the hearts of children and even adults, they believe the lie. Yes, you can learn to know your wife, not like God knows her, but God will give you grace to understand her, listen, and to meet her needs. You can't give up. Amen. That's what love doesn't give up. Amen. It suffers long. It's forbearing. It's a lie of the devil. A Christian husband needs to know his wife's attitudes, feelings, needs, fears, desires, and by God's grace, meet those needs. Number three, giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor means that the husband respects his wife's feelings, thoughts, and desires. 
He may not agree with every one of them, but he respects them and he helps her think biblically. A thoughtless husband can dishonor his wife by being insensitive to her feelings. Number four, that your prayers be not hindered. If the husband has his prayers hindered, this means he is not loving his wife like he ought to. And the way we treat our wife is a reflection of our walk with God. You cannot claim that you're walking with God and you're not loving your wife. If our relationship with God is being hindered, then every, everything else will be hindered also. So in other words, if you love your God, you're going to love your wife. He's going to help you love your wife. So they go hand in hand. However, if you are embittered with your wife, your relationship with God can be hindered. You've got to be careful that we don't dishonor our wives by neglecting them. Let me give you five quick things to honor and love your wife. Number one, carefully listen to your wife. Man, Jesus always deals with this, even in a practical setting of preaching. You that have ears to hear, let him hear time and time and time again. God wants us to listen, and it's so hard at times, isn't it? But when your wife desires your attention and wants to talk, leave everything, drop everything, look her in the eyes and see what she needs. There are times where you listen to your wife, you're both doing different things, but there are times that she wants your undivided attention. You can't be doing these ones when she's trying to talk to you. All these ones. She wants you to listen to her. And it could be that she's not even asking for help for anything. Men just want to play Superman straight away. You know, what can I do? How can I fix it? Where she just probably wants someone to talk to. Someone just to be open with. Someone to share her life with and her feelings. And we're just dull of hearing. Sometimes we just want to just fix it. The Bible says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and shameling. We can learn from that. We, there's no matter to be answered. He just wants to be heard and talked and understood at times. That's all. It's not wanting any advice. And thank God they, when they come for advice, we seek the Lord. We give them good biblical advice. But at times I just want someone to listen. If she can't get your attention, you know where she's going to go. And hopefully if she's a godly wife, she'll go to the Lord and she'll dob on you. <laughs> Amen? Not to her friends and talk behind the back. No, don't do that. Only, only if it's desperate. Only if the, there's concerns of breaking. Only if it's, you need counsel that helps. But at the end of the day, if it's just minor, don't listen. Ladies, make something a little so big. Go to the Lord and dob on them. Say, Lord, help my husband. Praise God for that. Number two, communicate with your wife. Communicate all things with your wife, little things, big things. Ask your wife for her opinion. Doesn't hurt, amen. I've made some decisions based upon my wife's opinion. I said, that's a good idea. Praise God for that. There's nothing wrong with that. What do you think about this? But be careful, ladies, there's a limit, amen. Because when I'm, I'm being honest, there's a limit. And you can cross the bounds and then you can just all of a sudden take the steering wheel. And, and if you don't take the steering wheel and you say, husband, lead, you can actually sit at the back of the car and uh, be a backseat driver. And you need to be careful. There's a limit. God has called the man to lead. But there's nothing wrong with the husband asking his wife's opinion from time to time and including her in decisions. Amen. And by the way, if you want to give your wife authority in a sense of decision-making in a certain area, that's, that's leading. Praise God. Praise God for that. Never hide anything from your wife. That's important. However, protect your wife from things that are not edifying. Your wife doesn't need to know everything. Don't discourage your wife. Man, if I told my wife everything that had taken place, man, she'll be, she'll be gone. Finished. The Bible says, A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. 
I don't need my wife to hear some things, especially if they've said about things that are hurtful about me. What's the natural inclination for my wife? Defense. <gasps> yeah, well, I don't want her to have that. I want her to be pure in her thinking. Be careful. Number three, consider her design and her feelings. Your wife is the weaker vessel, so encourage your wife when she needs encouragement in every sense of the word. Yep, try to give her a lot of hugs. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Try to give her a lot of hugs. She doesn't like hugs. Help her get used to hugs. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Because over time, God will work and, mate, be a wonderful thing. And if you're just too much huggy, touchy-feely, just back off a bit. <laughs> Let him breathe. Especially if things are taking place, you know. Just let him have a breather. I speak out of experience. I'm, I'm a huggy person. My wife over the years has learnt. And she just... I have to kind of beg her sometimes, just one hug. <laughs> have compassion towards your wife, especially when she's actually expressing her feelings. Consider her design. She's the weaker vessel. She struggles. She's easily deceived. Have compassion in that area. Be honest with your wife. Don't flatter her. Listen, if you, she needs a rebuke, rebuke her, but you don't have to flatter her. Be honest with your wife. Number four, consider her workload. Be helpful. Consider her workload. Help her in, in the things that she needs help with. Encourage her. Number five, respect your wife. We're running out of time. Accept your wife just as she is. Her physical appearance, her spiritual growth, don't expect too much from her. Let her grow. Let her grow. Don't, don't manipulate her in any way. Amen. Don't you say, oh, why can't you respect her? What God is doing in her life. Hey, listen, don't tease her. Amen. Don't, don't tease her in any way. Hey, listen, if you need to be honest with her, tell her in honesty. But don't say a joke that she'll get the, you know, she's, don't speak to her in codes. Yeah. Respect her. Use kind words when you're talking to her. Don't be rude to her. Don't be rude to your wife. Don't call her names. Listen, don't call her names. Respect her. You can be firm. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's respect there. I remember one time, about six years ago, there was an old kitchen there. There was a big cabinet there. Janet was standing in the kitchen. I was standing at the other side of the, the bench. It was about, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It, about, it was about six years ago. And Janet and I got into a little disagreement and it, 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 it got into a you know, disagreement that was unusual because it got out of hand a little bit. And Elisha has never, have never seen this before. Elisha would have been, I don't know, about four years old, three, four. And I'll never forget it. He was, he was, I, was I could actually see him, but he can't see Janet. He can see me. And he's never seen this before. It got out of hand. We, we were both raising our voices. And listen, he was, he was in fear. Because he's, he's not used to it. And so basically he was around the corner and he was doing these ones. And I saw his face like horror. And I broke. I'm thinking, what a rebuke. You know, there's a situation that takes place. You can work it out. You don't have to be rude, obnoxious, condescending. You know what it does to the kids in the home? Puts fear in their heart. Insecurity. Respect your wife. Don't belittle her. You can correct her without being condescending. And then in closing, you say, well, 
man, how do, how do we exercise this? I mean, we understand that it's a command, but with what strength and power do we do this? And I want to give you three quick things. And we saw the first already. The first example, perfect example, is the Savior. If anybody demonstrated love, it was him. So we need to look to Christ. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's our example. He's our model. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we pattern our life after. And so we need to look to Christ. He demonstrated his love. He said in John 13, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. He was a servant to no end. He served his wife, the church, the bride, his disciples. Wow! Number two, the scriptures. A precise explanation. The scriptures defines love in 1 Corinthians 13. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. And there you'll see the definition of authentic love. But of course, last, the Spirit of God. This cannot be executed without the Spirit of God in our lives. The Spirit helps us display this love consistently. But we must walk in the Spirit. Because if you're not walking in the Spirit, what's the default? What are you going to fulfill? The lust of the flesh. And the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. If you're not loving your wife and it's not growing, that is a good indication that you are not filled with the Spirit of God. Because if you're filled with the Spirit of God, God's going to shed abroad, shed abroad His love by His Spirit in our hearts. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 quickly. I want you to see this. It's the power of God that works within us. The Spirit of God working this attribute, this supreme, royal virtue of love, this Christ-like love. Not a sloppy love, not any kind of love. It's a miracle work that takes place in the heart. Listen, you can't do this outside of God. You must have God's power. Because you know what? You'll fall short and it will be short-lived. But if you're controlled, influenced, governed, uh, God has a hold of you, you're walking in the Spirit, then He's going to work this love in your life and you are going to simply manifest it in the lives of others. Not only in the life of your wife, but in every area of relationship. Even, listen, to your own enemies. How can you love your enemies? Father, forgive them. The same Spirit of God dwelt Philip. Lay this not on their charge. How can a man say that while he's being stoned? How? Because it's a love that's out of this world. And it's only governed by the Holy Spirit of God. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Have a look at verse 16. Well, look at verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're almost there. Just... Bear with me, bear with me, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, will, that he will grant you, according to, his riches, uh, to the riches of his glory, to be what? Strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, how? By faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in what? Love. May be, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth, passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Listen, we must experience the love of Christ in our own life 
if we are to exemplify love to others. It must be experienced in our life. Our life, our relationship with our husband. If you don't have that relationship with your husband, with Jesus Christ, forget it. How can you exemplify? How can you understand with what kind of love, wherewith you've been loved, to love? You won't know unless you've experienced His love in every sense of the word. And I mean even in every sense, according to the chastening hand of God. When He rebukes the church out of love. To bring her back to where she needs to be. It's a reflection. And have a look unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? His power that worketh in us. God wants to work this in us. And it won't be short-lived. It's a, it's a sanctifying process that takes place by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God and by our walk with God. And it happens in our hearts and it's not short-lived. It's growing. And listen, there's pleasure in it. There's pleasure in it. He endured the cross. The joy that was set before him. What joy? Governed by love. Listen, for the Father, for God the Father, and for his bride. You, you can't say that he didn't love us. Love was the very thing that motivated him of course he loved us look at this unto him be glory in the church by jesus christ throughout all the ages without end amen and listen husbands you want to bring glory to god in the church love your wives as christ loved the church and i mean love her not for one week, not for two weeks, not for three weeks or a month, but to the day you die or to the day Jesus returns. Love her. You want to be a Christian that is spiritual, that brings glory to God? Well, one of the ways that you can do this is love your wife. Because that's the picture of the gospel. Right there. And this is how all men will know that you are my disciples. How? By, by your love one to another. Yep. Glory to God in the church. Listen, by our love for one another. May God help us be examples to the next generation. May God help us. To exemplify this love. A command that needs to be practiced in the power of God. There's no other way. And that's a reflection of your walk with God. And may God help every one of us here today. Love our wives thus. Let's pray.